Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Sis Internet Radio. This is in spirit, affectionately called Sis, is a nurturing environment for women that inspires harmony in everyday living, shares resources that empower, offers information and support that nourishes the soul, balances our mental and physical well-being, and promotes inner peace and heightened spirituality. Our vision is a world where women live consciously, harmoniously, and spiritually to positively impact our lives and the lives of those with whom we come into contact. Join us as we live life with style, grace, and of course, much joy. Yes, welcome to Sis Empowerment Radio, where we provide information and inspiration that empowers. I am Darlene Rice-Nazaire, and my co-host, Sky Samuels, will be joining us shortly. Tonight's episode, we're discussing what pharmaceuticals don't want you to know. And just as an introduction, it's a pharmaceutical's goal to make a profit from the sale of drugs, not necessarily to further the general well-being of the public. This is made very clear to us when inexpensive and highly effective treatments are not made known to the general population. Instead, practitioners often choose to prescribe expensive, often toxic, yet extremely profitable products that ironically bear the name medicine. And if you think about it, for the first half of our life, the food industry is trying to make us fat or sick, and then the next half of our life, the pharmaceutical companies are treating whatever the ills that we've gotten out of the foods that we've eaten. Eaten, Yet, there are those honest practitioners who work to spread the word on remarkable, often natural, and very inexpensive remedies that can improve the lives of many. Our guest tonight, Julia Shopik, writes about some of these honest practitioners and tells us about Four life-saving treatments in her Amazon.com best-selling book, Honest Medicine, Effective, Time-Tested, Inexpensive Treatments for Life-Threatening Diseases. Julia, welcome to the show. Thank you so, so much, Darlene. It's a pleasure to be here tonight. It's a pleasure to have you. Julia is also a best-selling author, and she's a dynamic speaker who presents before patients, parenting groups, and innovative doctors who want to become informed and empowered to make the best health choices for themselves, their patients, and loved ones. She's the creator of the award-winning blog, HonestMedicine.com, and her writings on health and medical topics have been featured in the American Medical News, Alternative and Complementary Therapies, British Medical Journal, and the Chicago Sun-Times. Her mission is to inform people about little-known but promising treatments and to empower them in making health care choices. Julie, I read on your site as well that you had actually been in public relations for 25 years. So when and, we still, started, and still am. In still are. Okay. So advocate, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us how you went from an intense job like public relations to also being an advocate for honest medicine. Well, it was a, it's a long journey, Darlene. Basically, for all of my life, you know, my dad was a doctor, and he basically told me to stay away from the medical profession as much as I could, from you know, from hospitals, from doctors. He was he was funny, but in 1990, my husband Tim at the age of 40, was diagnosed with a cancerous brain tumor. And, uh, you know, just like everybody else, we were both terrified, my husband and I. And we did just what the doctor said and nothing more, nothing else. So he he had the surgery, which indeed he did need, he did need because the, the tumor was the size of an orange, if you can just picture that. Wow. And he had chemo and he had radiation. And then he began to suffer all the side effects you could suffer 
from the treatments, not from the tumor itself, but from the treatments. He got all sorts of of, of things happening to him. For instance, he had a radiation-caused stroke. I don't know if you knew that you could get that, but he did. And he got water on the brain, which is called hydrocephalus, and they had to go in again. I won't, I won't, uh, I won't tell you all the things, but just please know that he had loads of side effects. And I said to myself, you know, there must be some things that I could find that would make his life better and would make him feel better and would make him live longer. So that's what I set out to do. And uh, I found a nutritionist named Dr. Jean Wallace, whose area was cancer, you know, helping people with cancer. And her favorite area to help people with was actually brain tumors. She had the most experience in this area. And uh, with Jean, with Dr. Wallace, we found that Tim, my husband, was eating a better diet. He was taking supplements, and he was thriving. He was doing fantastically. And I noticed that the doctors didn't seem to uh, didn't seem to be impressed by this. Now they were impressed with the fact that he was living longer, you know, than most of their patients. He he was living three years, four years, five years, you know, on and on, and he was their star patient. But they were not interested in anything we were doing, you know, the the diet, the supplements, and they made it clear. You know, my husband tried to tell them, and they said, well, no, 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 you know, we don't have time for that. So we went on, and, you know, I actually was pretty selfishly okay about it because nobody was stopping us, and we were, you know, I was getting my husband back. So, but then in 2001, that's 11 years after the original tumor, he had a recurrence. And if you know about brain tumors, that's a long time before it came back. And, uh, you know, but then it did come back, and the doctor recommended surgery, and I had this awful feeling. You know about trusting your gut and your spirit, Darlene? Yes, I I do. It's not a good idea, but I I listened to the doctor and not to my gut. And uh, the reason, by the way, I wasn't just, it wasn't just a gut feeling, although gut feelings are extremely important. It was a feeling based on knowledge. The fact that he had had radiation to the skin years ago. And radiation, I call it the gift that keeps on giving, you know, because it makes the skin very fragile forever. And he had had not only radiation, but something I didn't mention, and I'm mentioning it now because now it's important. He had had many, many kinds of side effects that required other surgeries back in 1990-91. So his skin was extremely fragile, you know, from the repeated surgeries and from the radiation. And I told the doctor, I said, I don't think this is a good idea. You know, he's not really suffering symptoms of this recurrence. And the doctor said, no, 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 this, this surgery is going to be a piece of cake. Well, the surgery itself was a piece of cake because the tumor was right near the, the surface. But what wasn't a piece of cake was healing Tim's skin. And this is when we, it, we just, it was horrific. He, every time they would do, they did eight extra surgeries, I should say that first, to find two pieces of skin that would hold together. Because right after the original surgery, the suture line started opening again. So they started sewing him again. And right after that surgery, it started opening again. And on and on and on until he had eight extra surgeries. And I want to make something clear here. With each surgery to try to find two pieces of skin that would heal, he Mm -hmm. actually became sicker and sicker and sicker. And finally, he was bed-bound. The man, this man had walked into the surgery telling jokes. You know, he was just in fine spirits. But by the end of the eight surgeries, he was bed-bound. He was incontinent. He was almost paralyzed, and he was severely brain-injured, which he had not been before. He had been in, in great shape for somebody who'd gone through what he'd gone through. And through my PR business, um, I was working on a press release for a client, and the person I was talking to was not my client. It was somebody that I was working on the press release, you know, on behalf of my client. And he was a doctor. And he was an alternative or holistic doctor. And he did know me socially a bit. And he asked how my husband was doing. And I told him, he's in the hospital. His skin isn't healing. I don't know what to do. 
And this doctor, his name is Dr. Carlos Reynas, he said, have you heard of Silver Lawn? And it's spelled just like the word silver, Darlene, but L-O-N on the end, Silver Lawn. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, what, what? You know, I was jumping on it. I was excited. He said, well, it was FDA approved for all non-healing wounds. And he said, I've had great success with it for diabetes, diabetic wounds, and for uh, burns. And he said, you know, a a wound like your husband's, you know, with, with skin that was essentially burned by radiation years ago, should be perfect for this. So using my PR skills, I said to Dr. Reynas, please give me the name of the people at the company. I called the company. I then said I want to talk to the owner of the company, who was Dr. Bart Flick, who had invented Silver Lawn. And we had a wonderful conversation, and I patched Tim's doctor in on the phone call. And I don't know, all the stars were aligned correctly because the doctor gave me permission to put Silver Lawn on Tim's head, and Dr. Flick said he would donate it. I would have paid anything for it, but I didn't have to. And by the next night, I think, it was on Tim's head. And the day after, it was obvious that his skin was starting to heal. Day and the day after that, it was even healing more. And this is when my aha moment came, what I'm about to tell you happened next. The doctors, I thought they'd be excited. You know, this is a little-known secret that people who have had previous radiation and are in for their for their second and third surgeries after radiation, that the skin doesn't heal so well. And many patients, I'm sure, die from this. You know, you cannot live with a hole in your in your skin like that, and your with your brain exposed. Right. And so I, I was I was like, oh my God, the doctors are going to be so excited. Well, they weren't. They actually, these are doctors who had really liked me before. They started coming around, and one of them, you know, I knew that they something was wrong. Something was very right in my life. My husband was going to live. But one of them came up and he told me exactly. He said, you know, I don't think it was what you found. And he had the accent on you uh, that healed your husband's skin. And I said, well, doctor, I was shocked. I said, what do you mean? What could it be? I mean, you put the silver line on on the night before and then it's starting to heal. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I think it was the vancomycin. That's the the IV antibiotic that Tim had been on for six weeks at least. Mm -hmm. And I said, but doctor, he's been on anti. He's been getting vancomycin for six for six weeks. He goes, I know, I know, but vanco is like that. It kicks in. I was speechless. I didn't know what to say, but what I did say was something to myself. I said, you know, the public is being kept from learning about treatments that really work, in many cases better than the treatments the doctors are using. For instance, in this case, better than the surgeries that they were doing on him. I said, someday, you know, for the next several years, I was taking care of my husband because I was trying to, you know, get him back. And I I could not really do that because he was too damaged by then. Mm-hmm. And I said, someday I'm going to help people through this maze, people the way I was not helped, you know, when Tim was sick. And someday I'm going to help people to find treatments that their doctors may not tell them about. So that's my long story. And I hope I hope your listeners uh, didn't find it too long. But it's, no, it's, it's an amazing story. And you have noticed the divine synchronicity in it in that you you met the doctor and the incidences occurred in the way that they did so that you yes. would motivated to be pushed forward to help others and that's the way it happens and sometimes it's just our life's mission to have that accomplishment and all of the people in our lives are players in this play for us to do this grand act that we wouldn't That's exactly have... the way I see it. Exactly. You know, um, I, one of the uh, I, I hope some of your listeners and many of them will will uh, will buy my book Honest Medicine because it has wonderful stories. You know, not only the one I just told you, but stories of people. And we'll talk about the different treatments. You know, that are in the book, but it has wonderful patient stories about how they learned to trust their guts and to get you know treatments that that worked for them. And, and that's, that's important. Yes, it is. The body heals itself. 
you know, you provide some support to it, but it's a machine that is engineered to be self-healing, and sometimes we throw it off balance so that it can't do that. And nature provides the rest. And I think you're right. My question to you is, oh, wow, you have all of this going on, and so you're looking for cures, whether they're natural or effective, low cost. You're looking for the best thing to help your husband. Where did you find Tom to write this book on his medicine? Well, actually, it didn't happen that quickly. Um, when my husband, you know, his skin finally healed with Silver Lawn, probably about a week after after we put it on his head, he was ready to go home. And I uh, took him home, and uh, I had a lot to learn about taking care of a disabled person. And I also was running my own PR business. Thank God, I always ran it from home. So I was able to take care of him. I was able to, you know, get some caregivers at different times, but basically took care of him myself. And I was just, you know, the word percolate comes to mind. My, my, in my mind, I was, you know, I knew. You, you know by then, you know that your husband is not going to live forever. You know, mm-hmm. young as he is, he, he, had, he had had torture done to his body. So I knew that someday, you know, I would have the opportunity to do things. And this is when I was percolating in my mind, what do I want to do? So after he died, the first thing I did was to start a website called honestmedicine.com. And I'm still, you know, got to write a book, but I'm not the kind of person who just sits down, you know, and just does it. I have to have a plan. And I said to myself, as I I mentioned, there must be, you know, the Silver Lawn story. I remember talking to my mom about it because she was just like, oh, you've got to write about your story with Silver Lawn. I said, Mom, I don't think people would believe it, you know, that that doctors would poo-poo something that obviously worked. And I said, you know, I need to have examples for the for what I want to do for a book of other treatments. And I set the bar so high, darling. These treatments had to have been around for I know you're gonna think this is amazing, for at least thirty years. They had to have helped thousands of people. You could they had to be so convincing that you could not call them anecdotal, okay? And they had to have, and this was another thing, doctors as well as patients championing them. In other words, people who had been helped by these treatments had to be out there not earning money, but, you know, from these treatments. Not like the pharmaceutical companies that you mentioned, you know, in your intro, but not earning money by promoting these treatments. And luckily, I think there was the spirit with me. I actually came across treatments that I had actually learned about a long time ago when I was researching for my husband. And isn't that amazing that I didn't see how they all fit together in a category? But yeah. I was able to put them together. And at first, you know, people that I spoke to about the book said, oh, how can you, these, these three, four, condition, four treatments don't really have something in common. I said, yes, they do. They are the treatments that would be the standard of care if reason ruled, you know, rather than the pharmaceutical industry. Right. And boy, rather than capitalism. So tell rather us about than what? Rather than capitalism. Absolutely. I thought that's what you said. You're absolutely right. I wanted to make sure you said that, though. <laughs> rather than having to have a money motive. Yeah. And uh, so I feel I'm very proud of this, Darlene. I think I have developed a new category. And the gal who did my uh, my uh, index, she called me one day and she says, you know, there's going to be a problem with your book. And I said, what? What do you mean a problem? It's a good book. You know? She said, no, 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 it's a wonderful book. I loved it. She said, but it doesn't fit into any category that we know. It doesn't really fit into alternative treatments. And I said, no, you're right about that. You know, they are alternatives to the treatments that doctors usually do, but they're not what we usually think of as alternative. Mm-hmm. And she said they're not conventional. And so I'm very happy that I think I've I've gotten this new area, you know, of treatments that are time-tested, inexpensive, non-toxic, that have stood the test of time, as I said in the beginning, and that have healed many, many thousands of people. So there are four of them. I told you about the first one. And um, I, I've talked nonstop. Would you like to ask me a question? 
Yeah, so you told us about Silver Lawn. I'm wondering if you can tell us more about what it's made up of. And That's a I, question. Yeah. Perfect question. Love it. Well, in my book, In Honest Medicine, you'll see, you'll read a conversation that I had with Dr. Bart Flick where he explained how it worked. And I won't assume, I won't presume to be able to tell the medical. He tells it beautifully in, in my book. But what it is is pieces of material, I know this is fascinating to me, that are impregnated with silver ions. Yes. And when it is wet or dampened and put on the wound, you know, whatever is not healing, it actually heals it. You have to put it on in a particular way. And if if any of your listeners are interested, you know, have a non-healing wound, uh, contact me at julia at honestmedicine.com, and I can hook you up. I get not a penny for doing this, you know, because it, it's just that I want people to get to get these treatments. I can hook them up with somebody who can help them to get Silver Lawn. But it is, you know, silver has been an antimicrobial for years. As a matter of fact, as is stated in, in Honest Medicine, I believe it was even in the 1920s, that a Johns Hopkins used to silver foil you know, for, for patients. Then with the advent of antibiotics, it fell out of favor. And so, ancient, it was I'm used, sorry, go on. In ancient Egypt, it was used as well as a silver colloidal. Yes, yes. So, it, you know, it's it's not, it's very funny. These treatments are not newfangled. You know, they've been around for a long time, right? Right. And right. this one, Silver Lawn, is just, it was, um, if anybody wants to write to me, I can, I can, what happened was, that, you know, the doctors weren't interested, right? So I said, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to use my writing skills, the PR writing skills. And I contacted the Brain Injury, the, excuse me, the Brain uh, Tumor Foundation. And I said, hey, I'd love to write an article about this, you know, our, our journey with Silver Lawn. And not only did they let me do it, but they put it on the front page of the publication. I'm happy to send a PDF to anyone or a link to it to anyone who would like to read it. But it's a fascinating story of how it worked, and there's a lot of historical stuff. And the, and this same information is also in my book, In Honest Medicine. But first, I put it in an article for the National Brain Tumor Foundation. And, uh, uh, you know, still the doctors were not interested, but patients called, always patients. How can I get this silver line? And I was able to get it to every single one of them who, you know, who called or who wrote. And that was my mission was starting. So how do or why do the doctors poo-poo these treatments? Well, why do you- I think I, you know, in Honest Medicine, in my book, there is a chapter by Dr. Bert Berkson, who's one of the contributors to the book, and he talks about how doctors are trained and not educated. I'm saying that slowly because I want your listeners to get the difference. Training is like in the Army. Follow orders, you know, we tell you to do it this way, you do it You do it A, you don't veer and do it like B, you know. Mm-hmm. Education is very different. Education is what you and I and hopefully our listeners want. It's where you question. It's where your mind is open, and it's open to new ideas. And according to Dr. Berkson and according to what I've seen, you know, because don't forget, I've probably dealt with more doctors since my husband's illness, you know, years ago than than most people. I see this to be correct. They are not interested why when i put together a packet of information and you could just imagine i had it in a in a beautiful folder you know for the doctors on tim's floor to read about silver lawn i got articles about it i had the fda approval sheet and i had it in a beautiful folder why don't they want to read about something that i think it has to do with that their fellow doctors aren't doing they don't want to step outside the box and by the way as i say this I, you do realize that there are a lot of very open-minded doctors today. I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm doctor bashing, but I think it, they're in the minority, and God love them. You know? They're more open, and I'm getting responses. If you look at my book, at Honest Medicine, I have a lot of doctors who gave me testimonials. And so things are, things are, are not as bleak as, as we may be talking, but, but you know, they do need, it needs to get a lot better. There's no doubt about it. And I would say, too, that things have to turn around as 
we as patients become more educated and start asking in mass for yes. the more natural, more effective, and least expensive um, medicines. And I think so. And you know, you you bring up a very funny point, darling. It's not funny in what you said, but but the way I'm going to put it, it is. You know, people after the book, you know, people love the book. Oh, Julia, you've got to talk to doctors' groups. And I said, hey, what? I don't think so. You know, I don't want to talk to doc. I don't want to, you know, have to convince people. I want to do what I'm doing right at this moment, which is talking to patients talking to other people and getting the word out. You know, thank you, by the way, for giving me this opportunity. But if you go on honestmedicine.com and click on media, you'll see I love being on the radio. And I'm getting the word out. <laughs> and to me, this is a blessing. You know, one of the other things that I've heard is that doctors have to fulfill a certain quota of surgeries in order to be residents of a particular hospital. Do you know I'm that? Sure to be- I'm sure you're right, but I have to say, and this I could be totally wrong, okay, but I know my dad, who did not, as I told you in the beginning, enjoy his fellow doctors or the medical system, I know that if he were alive today, and he wasn't a surgeon, but let's put it in in his realm, Suppose the insurance company said to him, okay, Dr. Chopik, you've got to see one patient every 10 minutes, and that's it. My father, I, I cannot say on the air what my father would have said to them <laughs> because he would never have done that. Right. You know, I he, he he just would have said, no, no, no. And you know what I think he would have done? I think he would have gone public to say, you know, I'm not to do, do like an op-ed piece or something. I'm not going to see a, a one patient every 10 minutes, you know, signed by Dr. Lou Shopik, you know. <laughs> because I, I don't think they're standing up for their patients the way they should. But I could be wrong. The pressures could be so awful that, you know, that medicine has just changed terribly. That could be true, too. Yes. So tell us more about these other remedies. Oh, thank you, thank more. you. There are two of them. Let me start. Do you mind if I start with low-dose naltrexone? Go right ahead. Because this, to me, you know, when you first write a book, um, or when I first wrote this book, I should personalize it more. To me, all the treatments were equal. As I told you, I love every one of them because they've helped so many people, you know, and they're wonderful. But the one that I seem to be concentrating on, and the reason being, whenever I'm on the radio, I get calls about this one treatment. I get emails about this treatment. It's called low-dose naltrexone. And the reason for this, Darlene, the reason that more people have an interest in this is it's a treatment that works for just about all or most, I don't want to make it sound like snake oil, but most autoimmune diseases. And I don't know if you know, but there are at least 170 of them that we know of. I have a list of them. If anyone wants to see it, just write to me at julietonestmedicine.com. There's a list of them, you know, conditions and diseases that low-dose naltrexone might help. And I can tell you a little of the background of it because this was a brilliant doctor who kind of, I use the word invented, but it may not be the right word. Um, but this was a brilliant doctor named Dr. Bernard Bahari. And in the 1970s and 80s, he was working with drug addicts. And at that time, in the 1980s, um, there was a drug that came on the market called naltrexone, N-A-L-T-R-E-X-O-N-E, high dose. It wasn't called high dose naltrexone, but it was in high doses. It was it was FDA approved at 50, 50 milligrams and higher as being very very safe. Well, it had a lot of side effects at that at that dose. And uh, Dr. Bahari, who, as I said, was working with drug addicts, said this was not appropriate for drug addicts because he said they were feeling awful. You know, you know, they weren't they weren't uh, having the cravings for uh, for drug for dope for drugs, but they were just sick. You know, it, it made them crazy. They were like, but he he was a curious doctor. He wasn't a doctor who was just trained, although he did get his education at Harvard. He was a brilliant doctor, both a neurologist and a psychologist and a psychiatrist, excuse me. And he said, "Look, I can tell 
that it raises endorphin levels, even at high, uh, at high doses. He says, I wonder what would happen if we lowered the dose. And so he started lowering it and lowering it and lowering it. And you know, a lot of the people he was treating who, had, uh, who were drug addicts also had HIV AIDS. It didn't even have a name back then. But it was a you know a terrible disease, and he started giving it to them to some of them in very low doses, three milligrams at first, and then later he went up to four point five. He found that the HIV AIDS stopped progressing. So wow. he goes, this is so interesting. And then the friend of his daughter, a friend of his daughter's named Chris Lombardi, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And at that time, there were no multiple sclerosis drugs on the market. So he said, let's try this low, he had named it now, low-dose naltrexone. Let's try this low-dose naltrexone on her. And her MS stopped progressing. Well, this was the age before the Internet, you know, had caught on. So all people had was the telephone and letter writing. And word began to spread about this doctor in New York named Dr. Bernard Bahari. And if you have any disease that has an autoimmune uh, dysfunction, and this includes things like rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, as I said, multiple sclerosis, lupus, um, you could go on and on. And that list that I'm telling you about does go on and on. Uh, of all, They began coming to him with excellent results. And this became a cause celebre. You know, people began to just say, I want this low-dose naltrexone. And it, it has remained very inexpensive. It's made by compounding pharmacies. And I can help people get a list of those that are known to do it correctly. And uh, it has a tremendous patient population that are patient advocates for it. And uh, I'm in the process of, of starting to write another book. The first book, Honest Medicine, which I'm hoping people, the wonderful stories about low-dose naltrexone are all about people with multiple sclerosis, which is the, the condition that it has been used most often on, or at least was. And uh, now I'm writing, I'm going to have people's stories with all other diseases too. One with lupus, who also had myasthenia gravis. Another one with rheumatoid arthritis, with Crohn's, with chronic fatigue. You know, so to me, this is a treatment that if we could get our people in Washington to listen, you know, we're having so much trouble with Obamacare and all of this and all this, all this stuff going around. This would be an inexpensive answer to so many, many problems. And uh, so I'm out there, and every time I'm on the air, I was on one night show that is very, very popular, and I got 400 emails, most of them about low-dose naltrexone. So it's, it's, people are, are learning about it, and I'm certainly not the only one promoting it. Um, if you go on Facebook, you'll see that there are loads of LDN Facebook groups. There are loads of Yahoo LDN groups. You know, so patients are out there helping other patients. So I'm certainly not the only one, and I don't want to give that impression at all. But okay. it's a wonderful treatment. Two questions on low-dose naltrexone. One, do you need a prescription for it? Well, it's just something you have to go to your doctor and say, this is what I like. Okay. And what's your other one? I'll answer. <laughs> you want me to answer this one first? Yeah. And this the answer is, is yes, uh, you do need a prescription. And I'm glad you're bringing up very good questions, Darlene, because um, so many people are writing, I'm hearing, and, and the stories in, honest, in my book, in Honest Medicine, tell of how difficult it was for people to get a prescription and still is. And people on the LDN groups are saying, oh, my God, you know, I can't get my doctor to to prescribe it for me. So I'm going to be doing teleseminars early next month about how to convince your doctor to prescribe low-dose naltrexone. Now, I'm not saying that every doctor, that every person, you know, who attends the teleseminars will be able to convince their doctors, but they'll have a better chance because I'm going to be giving them information, you know, about, for instance, uh, articles, you know, that they would want to share with their doctor. Even if their doctor says he's not going to read it right, right now, if they share good information, there's a good chance that it will be, you know, read. The other thing to know is that it has to be, so a doctor has to write a prescription, and that's half the battle. And then the second half of the battle is going to a pharmacist 
a compounding pharmacist who will make the drug from scratch and will know how to do it correctly. And but I but this is the good news. Thanks to lowdosenaltrexone.org, which is the official website, you know, put together by Dr. Bahari's friend, Dr. David Gluck, um, and other websites and other people. We have lists of doctors who will prescribe. We cannot make that list public, but if somebody writes to me, I can give them the names of the doctors in their states. And we also have lists of the compounding pharmacists that do it correctly. So we've actually got a patient-activated uh, way that to help patients get uh, low-dose naltrexone if it's the appropriate treatment. Now, I hope to God, if it's not, it doesn't have downsides or, or bad side effects, but I hope if somebody comes and says, for instance, I've had questions, I have osteoarthritis, would it help me? And I have to say no. It will help rheumatoid arthritis in many cases, but not osteo. They're different. Rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune condition. Osteoarthritis is not. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? We don't want doctors just giving it. Totally understanding. That way people would be under the misconception that it doesn't work when yes. they're just giving it for something that it wasn't designed for. That's right. That's exactly, you put it beautifully. But it is a very, you know, I'm hoping that people will, oh, you know what? People should go on honestmedicine.com and listen to the interview. Dr. Bahari's widow, he died about two years ago. Dr. Bahari's widow, Jackie Bahari, gave me uh, this video to put on my website. Now, it's, it's also on YouTube, but you can get to it from my website. And I also transcribed every single word. You'd have no idea how long that took me, you know. <laughs> but I knew that some people wouldn't want to watch, but I urge people to watch him. You can see you can see the ethicality of the man, the sincerity. And then if you if you're tired of watching for too long, you can read my transcription. Uh but that's on my website and I've kept it as the first. It's not the most recent posting, but it is the first one up there and I'm gonna leave it as the first one. Awesome. So most medicines are based on nature and some natural base. Do you know what low dose now, this, this, I want people to listen. I'm the, my strong suit is not the medical, but Dr. Bahari calls it a designer drug. So this one may not have been based okay. on, uh, but do you want to hear the amazing thing? The amazing thing is when I talk to people about it, I want people to read Dr. David Gluck's chapter in my book, In Honest Medicine, because he, what he says in there is, Low-dose naltrexone is like no other drug that we know of. It basically acts, what it does is it tricks the body and it makes the body, remember how you talked about the body can heal itself? Yes. It actually enhances the body's endorphins so that the body can, can heal itself. So in other words, I'm starting to say it acts more like a supplement than like a drug. Awesome. And this is why most doctors don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And there's another reason, and that is that there, there, there. By the way, there have been many small studies, and in my when I do my teleseminars on low dose naltrexone, um, I'm going to be including a sheet to show your doctor of all of the studies you know that have been done. They're small studies because pharmaceutical. I don't know if your listeners know, but 90 percent. Of the uh, of the drug studies are done by drug companies, and yes. this drug is so cheap that no drug company would really see a return on investment. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm happy that it's just it, you know that it's just people can get it because I'm out there trying to get people to learn about it, and they're finding it. I've I've gotten more emails and more letters. You know, you, you've changed my life. Not you, but LDN. You know, not me. But that LDN has changed their lives, and they wouldn't have found out about it if I didn't go on radio all the time. So this is this is uh, amazing. Yeah. So tell us about the intravenous alpha lipoic acid. Okay, I'm going to tell you about the intravenous alpha lipoic acid, and I'm going to tell you I want to make sure we can also talk about uh, the ketogenic diet, but but the story around the intravenous alpha lipoic acid, you'll love it. And I, I, I like telling it, even though it's upsetting. The story is this. Dr. Burt Berkson, remember I told you about the man who said that doctors are trained, not educated? 
Well, yeah. he was a uh, an intern in, I believe it was the 1970s. Yes, I'm quite sure of it. And two people came in, a married couple, came into the hospital where he was interning, and they had mushroom poisoning. That's liver poisoning from eating poisonous mushrooms. And believe it or not, the doctor in charge told Dr. Berkson that he was, you know, they said, he said, these patients don't have a prayer of living. They're going to die because we don't have a liver transplant for them. But what we want you to do is to watch them as they die and take notes. And Dr. Berkson says in my book, in Honest Medicine, he says to me, I couldn't do it. You know, I couldn't not try to help them. I purposely used that double negative. He had to try to help them. So he called somebody he knew at the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, and he said, do you have anything that can regenerate a liver? And Dr. Fred Barter, who was there, said, absolutely. You know, you wouldn't believe it, but we're doing research on this intravenous alpha-lipoic acid. And what we're finding, we're doing it for diabetic neuropathy. You know the lack of feeling in the, in the, uh, in the feet? We're yes. doing on that, and we're finding that livers are regenerating too. Would you like to try it? So he says, absolutely. And so Dr. Barter sent Dr. Berkson through through air post, you know, through a plane, um, intravenous alpha-lipoic acid. He picked it up at the, at the uh, plane, and he brought it into the hospital. He infused the patients. They started to get better. Well, would you think that the doctors would be happy about it? They were furious. They said, you didn't do what we told us to do, what we told you to do. He said, "Well, are you interested in what I what I did?" No, no. We're just interested in telling you you're not supposed to do this ever again. So next weekend, more people came in with with liver poisoning from mushrooms. He did it again, and he told me, he said, "I would have really been in trouble if the NIH, Dr. Fred Barter, had not become fascinated with my work." And, you know, so the people from the NIH were coming and they were saying, oh, this is wonderful work. And then with Fred Barter and Dr. Berkson did a trial with 79 people with liver, with liver, failing livers, and 75 of them regenerated. And so the hospital could not fire Dr. Berkson. However, Dr. Berkson knew that his his time in institutional medicine was certainly going to be short-lived. So he left institutional medicine, and he's happy happy as a clam uh, practicing in Las Cruces, New Mexico, where he sees people from all over the world, and he's expanded. He is now, well, one of the stories in my book, one of, you know, in, in Honest Medicine, there are two that are provided by Dr. Berkson's patients, and one of them is about a woman with a combination, Mary Jo Bean, a combination of hepatitis C and cirrhosis. And she, she makes it very clear. She goes, I didn't get those two diseases the way, the way most people get them. <laughs> she got them from a, from a tra- uh, transfusion, okay? And the other one is a man with pancreatic cancer, Paul Maris. And Dr. Berkson has just been treating people with all sorts of not only uh, liver diseases as specialty, but he also, you know, treats people with several kinds of cancer. He says it does not work on all cancers and uh, with many autoimmune diseases that need that are further along, you know, and need more help. So that's the story of intravene. It, it, you know, and one of the reasons why, I told you that I want to concentrate more time on the ketogenic diet is that because it's intravenous, you know, as intravenous alpha-lipoic acid, mm-hmm. the only person that I know, I know a lot of people do it. You know, a lot of doctors will infuse it, but I'm, I only can vouch for Dr. Burks, and that does not mean that other people don't do it, other doctors don't do it beautifully, but I only, I, I, I talked to so many of Dr. Berkson's patients, so I can guarantee, I can't guarantee, I mean, every every doctor can have somebody who doesn't do well, right? So right. I'm not saying he does well with everybody, I'm certainly not saying that, but I can vouch for the quality of his work, because I've talked with so many patients of his. So that is uh, intravenous alpha, and I'm hoping uh, hope with me and pray with me 
that Dr. Berkson will start, you know, now that, that you know, now he will start. He's got his, his son, Arthur, working with him now. So this is going to be another doctor trained by Dr. Berkson. But I'm hoping that he will actually train a lot of doctors officially. But he's so busy in his office that he does, you know, I'm talking about really training them, you know, with getting get, getting CME credits and all of that. But right. so far it hasn't happened. So Well, he was definitely fortunate to find his niche. Yeah. Oh, isn't that isn't that wonderful? I mean, he definitely he's such a happy guy, you know. And he would not have been if he had stayed in uh, if he had stayed in institutional medicine. He would have been he would have been bucking the tide, you know. Of course. So that is uh, that's the story of him. And the other one, the the treatment we have not talked about yet, is uh, the ketogenic diet. May I tell about that? Yes, please do. Okay. This is a high fat low-carb, low-protein diet that has been used for seizures, for epileptic seizures, especially in children, since the 1920s at Johns Hopkins, at Mayo Clinic. And it was almost dying because when anti-seizure medications came on the market, doctors did not, you know, did not recommend the diet so readily. And there were not that many places around the country where you could get the diet. And uh, so kids were being, you know, drugged. And uh, then something happened. In the 19, I think it was 1994, um, a little baby named, a one-year-old child named Charlie Abrams uh, came down with what we call intractable seizures. They were seizures that just wouldn't quit. You know, one seizure would end and another one would begin. And, and his father was a very famous movie uh, writer, director, producer by the name of Jim Abrams. Jim had written, I don't know if you've seen the the movie Airplane. It's kind of a classic. Yes. And Jim had done, that was Jim's movie. And he also did Hot Shots and several others. He was a famous, famous man. And his son got these intractable seizures. And, of course, Jim could take his son to the best of the best of the best, you know, to all of the best hospitals. All they could come up with was more and more drugs at one time. Little Charlie was on, I think it was four or five drugs at once. And in my book, In Honest Medicine, there is actually a link to a video of Little Charlie in a harness because he was so drugged up that, and he was so young, I mean, he was a little kid, that he had to be in a harness or he would bump into walls because he couldn't look straight, he couldn't see straight. And one day Jim said, I, you know, the doctors didn't give much hope. They said, you know, maybe an operation will help. But, you know, we – and anyway, Jim went to the library, and he wasn't going to look for treatments. He was going to see how his family was going to deal with having a child that wasn't going to get better. And what did he find when he was in the hospital? He found this diet. Lots of studies – Small studies from the 20s, from the 30s, from the 40s, from the 50s, all the way up through the 90s, talking about, and some of them at Mayo Clinic, some of them at Hopkins, talking about how this diet was, and, and the average was 67% effective. He got, uh, he, he got the library to Xerox all of these studies, or maybe he Xeroxed them. He took them to his do- Charlie's doctors. He said, look at this, look at this. I want to try this diet. And they said, don't do it. It won't work. And Jim said, to my everlasting shame, I listened to them. And he allowed them to do a surgery on little Charlie's brain. I mean, he's embarrassed about this today. And he said, soon after that surgery, he started to have seizures again. And at that point, Jim said, enough. And he listened to that voice inside him. You know, we talked about the gut, you know. And he took little Charlie to Johns Hopkins, and they put him on the diet, and 48 hours later, he stopped having seizures, never to have them again. Totally amazing. So what makes the high-fat, low-carb diet effective? You know, I'm again going to put people in, in touch with my book because... I've told you that that knowing the scientific is not. I can tell you that the diet puts people puts children into a state mimicking fasting. That I can tell you. It's oh. called ketosis, and okay. uh, and ever since the Bible, apparently there are stories of Jesus. You know, healing some a kid with seizures, and and he was asked, "How did you do it?" And he said, "With prayer and fasting." And I have links to those to to those uh, citations in the Bible too. 
But the wonder of my book is that I was able to get a woman named Millie Kelly, who was the dietitian at Johns Hopkins, and she 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 ministered the diet. She administered the diet from 1948 to 1990. 50 years. And uh, she wrote a section in my book, in Honest Medicine, that really describes how the diet works and how it's administered. And the Charlie Foundation, Jim started an organization called Charlie Foundation, C-H-A-R-L-I-E Foundation.org, and mm-hmm. it's his mission to spread the word to other parents. Just like I told you, I don't want people to suffer the way I did. Jim does not want people to, the way my Tim suffered, and, and together we did. Jim does not want other parents, and he was very lucky. His Hollywood Connections, who do you think he got to do the video that explains how the diet works? He got his friend Meryl Streep. All right. And then if you, if you go on charliefoundation.org, you'll see Meryl Streep in a video, you know, of how to administer the diet. And then it's a long story, so I'll just cut to the chase. It what happened is that it got very big notoriety. The diet did on a show called uh, Dateline NBC, mm-hmm. and more and more letters came in. And one of the letters was from a woman named Connie Intermitty, who was a mom who had had trouble getting the diet, just like Jim had, but did get it. And Jim made a made-for-TV movie about Connie Intermitty's story and her little boy. And who played the mom but Meryl Streep. So he was very, you know, he's, I would like to get a story in one of the major publications called The Man Who Changed the Face of Pediatric Epilepsy. Because through his Charlie Foundation, there are now over 100 hospitals worldwide that administer the diet. He hired a um, another uh, dietitian. Millie Kelly is now, I would say, in their 80s, near 90. He hired a woman named Beth Zupikania, who's also a dietitian, and we call her a keto dietitian, just like Millie was. And mm-hmm. Beth goes around the world training hospital personnel on how to do the diet. So Jim says he can now go to sleep, feeling that as long as Charlie Foundation is online and people can find things, they can, they can even talk with him. I mean, he's just such a, a wonderful man, um, you know, that that he he he's, he feels he's doing his God's work. That's his mission. Absolutely. So you know, but but you know what I found working with this book, I have I haven't put it this way. The people that I met are just so wonderful. There is something so refreshing in this era of you know everybody being out for the buck. There is something so lovely about meeting people who aren't out for the buck, you know, who are out to help people. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. And they are in my book, beautiful stories of people, all of whom are out there trying to get the word out about the treatments that help them. um, Before we end, because we're getting into the last minutes, I wanted to quickly talk about the side effects of these remedies. When we hear institutional drug or medicine advertisements, the litany of side effects (laughs) larger, longer than the actual benefits. And so tell us quickly about... Very few side effects. And this is the amazing thing, the side effect of it when we talk about intravenous alpha-lipoic acid. When you read Mary Jo Bean's uh, chapter in my book, her side effect was more energy. She says, I power washed the house when I got home. I'm like, oh, Mary Jo, you know. <laughs> I mean, she, the, so it, it was a side effect. Same with, uh, with low-dose naltrexone. Side effect, there is one that, that some people get, and that is sleep disturbances, you know, vivid dreams and, and sleep disturbances. But mm-hmm. apparently that's not, that doesn't happen to that many people. What usually happens is a sense of well-being. Remember I talked about it's like more like a supplement than a drug? And the ketogenic diet, oh, I forgot to tell you an important thing. Yes, it's, it probably, you know, if you were to be on that diet forever, you know, high fat, it might not be such a great thing. Although, according to Millie Kelly, she knows that people have been on it for a long time for other for reasons, you know, that have nothing to do with the diet, you know, having to do with parents finding it easier. But... Kids can usually go off the diet after two years. Isn't that amazing? Yes. And still eat normal foods. So the 
side effects, you know, they now, with a ketogenic diet, as more is being known about the diet, there are lots of, of nutritional supplements that people, that the kids take, you know, um, be, because to ward off any side effects. And again, kids only have to be on it for like two years, three years, and then they can go off. And I think that's like miraculous, you know? It is. So tell the audience your contact information, how they can get more information on the topics that you discussed, including uh, your book on Amazon.com. Tell people how to get your book. I would be delighted. Um, First of all, my website is honestmedicine.com. If you don't want to remember anything else, just on the right-hand side, there are links to how you can get it on Amazon, how you can get it on Barnes & Noble, how you can get it as a Kindle, how you can get it as a Nook. And uh, so that's one way. You can also go to Amazon.com. It's been an Amazon. It's an Amazon.com bestseller, and now a Barnes and Noble.com bestseller too. I'm I'm glad to say. For a while there, it was just Amazon. Um, and you can also write to me at Juliet HonestMedicine.com. I think I should trademark that name, don't you? I love it. I love it too. <laughs> you know, I was the first radio show I was on. You'll love this. Dr. Ron Hoffman, whom if you don't know him, you should you should check him out. He he had a show on WOR, and I knew him before. So when he said my first show, he goes, "Honest medicine, isn't that a contradiction?" <laughs> so I said, "Yep." And then we were off. He said, "Tell me more," you know. But I think it's 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 also my dream. The tagline, the the subtitle for my for my uh, website is Honest Medicine, My Dream for the Future. And in my book, I tell about treatments that truly are honest medicine. So isn't that kind of nice that when I started the website, I really thought of it only as a dream? And now I'm finding a way to disseminate, you know, to share information about treatments that I think are truly honest and not driven by the buck. Well, that's where all things start as a dream, as a thought, and the more that you give energy and focus to that dream, the quicker it's enabled to come alive. Well, it's been, you know, I just just love the fact, you know what I love? I love the fact that, obviously, I, I don't mean to compliment myself, but when I'm on the air, I think my passion shows through. Oh, definitely. And so people do contact me, and they're welcome to. So uh, it's just a pleasure to talk with you. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you as well. We usually wind down the show with a quote about the topic, and you can definitely use one of your own or one from someone else. You know what I'd like to do? I haven't been asked to do this, but let me just, I'm in front of my computer, and what I would like to do is to give you a quote from the anthropologist Margaret Mead, okay? Okay. It says, it's on my website on Honest Medicine, so I'm actually reading. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Yeah, that, that is awesome. Yep. Is that wonderful? Never underestimate the power of individuals. or even And a, a small group of people can do it. You know, you just have to care and you have to be committed and you have to be passionate. That's true. That so, and we so think... That, excuse me? Go ahead, finish. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. There was, was a beep. Thank you for being with us and sharing that passion with us. There are so many people that just need to know and understand that there are alternatives out there and... The next step and do the research on their own. Your website at honestmedicine.com is a great start. Reading the book is another, and that will take them a long way towards taking health into our own hands. And I want to tell you that I've thoroughly enjoyed being on with you. You're a really excellent interviewer. Thank you very much. (laughs) You are. (laughs) I had a ball. As well. Thank you. Developments in medical technology have long been confined to the procedural or pharmaceutical advances while neglecting a most basic and essential component of medicine, patient information management. So 
that's from John Doolittle, and it's all about getting the information out there and letting the patient be in on their own healing, and we should definitely want to participate in our own healing and not just listen to what those so-called professionals have to say and practice on us. Closing words from you, Julia, please. Closing words, I just want to thank you for for this opportunity. And I want to ask people, if they do read my book, and I hope they do because it has a lot of good, wonderful stories, wonderful stories, please feel free to write to me and tell me how you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. Okay, thank you. You can also look for more information on Julia and her contact information on our site, www.fluidmagazine.com, and you can blog there. Thank you all for joining, and have a good evening. Thank you, Julia. Thank you so much, Darlene. I had a ball. Me too. Good night. Okay. You've been listening to This Internet Radio. Until the next time... Enjoy the fluid flow of life by remembering to infuse harmony into your everyday living.